Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I'm joined by my good friend, David Russell. Uh, you were out last week, and so I had to do a solo show. How you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? How was your solo yep. show? It was great. It was fantastic. In fact, it was one of the best shows ever. Yeah. You have the I mean, I'm not going to say that it was just because it was all me, but I mean, I was fabulous. Well, you have the gift for gab, my friend. <laughs> I don't actually like talking to myself, but um, but uh, yeah, it was actually uh, I'm kind of glad that I had a chance to open up the can of worms in that way. And then uh, Andrew and I did a um, a supplemental, just a, a short hour long supplemental <laughs> to the uh, solo show to open up even more cans of worms and then the uh, blog had technical difficulties for most of the week so people couldn't comment and so I think all of that is fixed now and so the floodgates uh, should be opened up again so anyone listening who had trouble uh, with uh, discuss it's fixed and uh, we're uh, we're back on track so we're not going to spend uh, too too long we're going to uh, talk about my original blog post a little bit here uh, because I wanted to I didn't want to finish this series of marriage without having an actual conversation with um, someone who disagreed with me so that said and for the record uh, I did invite uh, Mac attack a couple of times uh, so I guess uh, he was not uh, either able to do it or didn't get the message or uh, wasn't interested in going on Michael on this subject. I'm not sure what it uh, what it was there. Uh, but I'm looking for some Christian feedback on this uh, and also some atheist pushback for it. So for those people who don't think that atheists uh, argue with me or that I don't argue with them, go to the board, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. I have no problem with mixing it up with the people on my side. In fact, the most intelligent uh, comments of disagreement that I get usually come from atheists. Christians, how about you change that this week? Um, send me some intelligent push pushback, skepticsandseekers at gmail.com, or just leave a comment on the board, skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. Uh, Russell, let's get into it. Both you and I are married, right? Right. Okay. Um and I don't need to know any details about your uh, marriage. I've been married more than once. I'll just put it that way. Um, don't know if that makes me an expert uh, on marriage. <laughs> the more the more you're married, the more expert you get. Um, not sure how that works. But um, let me just say that I don't believe that I have ever had a marriage that I would consider a failed marriage even though they ended a divorce. I think divorce is a good thing. Um, it's, it's a godsend, if I can use that terminology. Um, so I have a feeling that we might talk a little bit about divorce. During the, uh, just so you know, in the uh, supplemental show, Andrew and I spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about divorce. This is one of the things that I didn't talk much about in the blog. Uh, and we also talked about uh, children, the effects of um, raising children in um, marriage, uh, in, a, in a bad marriage and or a divorce or different configurations of marriage where you can raise children. So these are things that 
uh, we covered. And if you want more of that conversation, skepticsseekers.squarespace.com. You can even find us on uh, the YouTube channel, Skeptics and Seekers YouTube channel. Just look it up. It, it'll uh, be there. So there, everything that I've done is in video form, in podcast form. You can subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss anything. But if we don't discuss some issues that you think are important um, in this show, it's because there are two other shows. Uh, where those things were discussed. And so I think today uh, we'll probably focus most of our time on the blog post itself and give Russell a chance to respond uh, to some of these things. Now, Russell, I'm guessing that you are a proponent of marriage. You think it's a good idea? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, uh, what, what, what would you call someone who who's not a proponent, an exponent? <laughs> I don't know. What, what kind of, what kind of opponent? Uh, an an opponent? <laughs> I'm oh, an ex-man yeah. of marriage. I think it's a uh, bad idea. Um, so I don't like the institution at all. Um, as far as being married, I am married. I don't mind being married. I don't mind not being married. So being married to me is not different. In, in the way I go about my life. Uh, there are some social and cultural reasons uh, why I married. But what are those? none of them, what are those? Okay. Yeah, uh, what are those? Yeah, yeah that's a fair that. question. Uh, just just want to say, none of them have anything to do with me actually thinking the institution of marriage is worth spit because I don't, um, I, I hate the institution of marriage and most of the arguments about um, marriage I think would go away if we could do away with the idea that we needed to get married in the first place. Um, so that said, uh, cultural benefits of marriage, uh, because it is so ingrained in people, I think this is one of these situations where religion has won the cultural battle. It's so culturally ingrained, there's no way to escape it. So that even atheists, uh, even anti-theists, uh, feel a certain way about marriage, and breaking I think up. they don't. I'm breaking up. You okay. broke up uh, pretty bad, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, I yeah. can just I go can back. See it. Just about five seconds. About five seconds. Yeah. Um, culturally, I think that Christians have won this particular battle. It's going to take a long time um, to undo. Uh, what has been done in culture, because even atheists, even anti-theists uh, think almost Christianly when it comes to marriage. Um, and so there is a certain um, element where you're at a cultural disadvantage if you don't marry. Yeah. And, and, and well, it, it, here's... here's yeah, don't let me interrupt you. I mean, I, I know this is a conversation. Uh, I'm not going to make you just go too long, but I also want to get involved in this because you're saying, you know, like the the religious have won that battle. And yeah. do, do you, so you don't think that it's just like a natural thing that developed in culture over time without Absolutely religious not. influence as well? Because I know other cultures have a form of the institution and they're not even religious at all. So right. they have like companions that are there for life and they have it their own institution or their own ceremony to celebrate that. And I think it's natural to humans. So I, I it could it be a natural thing? I mean, why why does it have to be relegated to 
a religious institution on your from your your point of view? Yeah, that's a fair question. I think that unions and partnerships are a natural thing, but marriage as we understand it today is not a natural thing. Uh, so if you want to talk about the thing that humans did naturally, uh, I think the earliest uh, types of, uh, of domestic unions we, we had were what you might think of as line marriages. Uh, they were communal marriages, if you will, where there were multiple uh, men and women in partnership uh, and uh, bearing and raising children. So uh, anthropologically speaking, uh, the earliest forms of marriage had no looked nothing like what we think of as marriage today. And so when you start getting to the unions that look more like the unions that we have today, you end up with some pretty bad reasons why those things started to exist. Uh, some of them were uh, to end tribal feuds. Um, and so you would have an arranged marriage and then that would produce an heir and that heir would be the rightful ruler and the nations could end in peace. Well, you know, that might be great for tribal feuds, but that's a, that's a pretty bad reason for an institution of marriage to last, um, it, uh, yeah. this long. That's not, that's okay, not something. So, so where... let me ask you this here. Uh, you said that, you know, there was basically a village, right? Everybody was just being passed around and everybody was raising children. It takes a village, right? So uh, uh, where do you where do you get that from? I, where did you study that from? Where did you pick that up from? Because that's very interesting to me, because I think from what I studied of marriage and this was years ago, uh, I went back all the way into, you know, almost prehistoric times. And, and there were probably about a mix of both of kind of what we see today. Obviously, there's a lot more ceremony to it today, but even among indigenous people that have not entered our world today, you can still observe that they have a uh, ceremony and a lifelong mating uh, uh, ritual that, you know, they, they stay together, they raise their children, and you can see these in like different uh, indigenous tribes that have not, like I said, uh, uh, who passed around? Andrew said, "Who was passed around?" Oh my God! Well, That's so interrupted. I left, yeah. I left, Anyways, I left yeah. sources in the blog post. So oh, did you? Uh, yeah. On so that, any, on that specifically? On that, yeah. So okay. if anyone wants to look further at that, I left very um, some some Didn't basic see your bibliography, sources. Sir. Yeah. So I usually don't leave sources um, because most of what I say is usually pretty well known. But every now and then, I'll leave a, a source. That, so that people can look up for further study. It's not like it's exhaustive, but it gives you a starting point. So what we know about marriage, uh, as far as marriages that look something similar to what we have, you might go back um, uh, close to 4,000 years. Uh, but of course, humans have been around a lot longer than that. And so we can, we can begin to trace um, marriage as we think of marriage today. Uh, to something relatively recent, and we can begin to wrap our minds around some of the reasons uh, that happened. But as far as monogamous, one man, one woman for life kind of marriage, that is not the oldest form of uh, human union. And I would say that it is, uh, it is not natural 
for humans. Uh, in it's it's specific. It's very particularly unnatural, and you have to have a pretty good reason uh, to want to do it. And I think the driving force behind it today is religion. Now, uh, it uh, it wasn't necessarily started with religion, but it's religion that perpetuates it. Um, and so I think if, had it not been for religion, that simply wouldn't be the way we quote unquote married today. And you can see that, uh, throughout religious history that people have always struggled with the idea of marriage. And even in, uh, the, the Jewish scripture times, you can see that you know, even though this is the quote-unquote God who instituted one man, one woman for life, this God uh, was clearly in favor of polygamy. Um, there's nothing about old, the Old Testament um, rulers that made you think that one man, one woman for life was the way they expected to to live. Yeah, so, of course, that's, that can be argued on many fronts uh, that, you know, the Old Testament is descriptive versus prescriptive I, we right that, it doesn't matter whether you say idea it's descriptive that god, versus prescriptive the, the we think that god you know always had intended one man and one woman of course but uh due to our fallen nature and so forth you know you see these kings and and you see them in their their uglinesses as well as their glory so that's kind of like the idea behind it but uh but as far as what else you did say is is that you know you don't see this in nature and so forth, but everything that I've read on this seems that you do see this and you see it very differently at times. Yeah, I didn't um, say you didn't see it in nature. So yeah. I want to be clear about well, that. Yeah. You do see it okay. in nature. I okay. said, it's not natural to humans. But if you don't, okay. So, so that's where I would disagree. I, I think you do see it at different times within the human race uh stronger when a society is uh in a state where it values commitment or is in a strict moralism uh you do see it differently there uh you see it differently when society has laxed that so um yeah i i see i see it i see it a little bit differently than you i think i would try to look at it as a whole uh worldwide uh, and throughout time, but as far as religion driving it, yeah, I think religion has driven it at times, but I also think that times are religion didn't drive it, you know, but well, if, if religion didn't need to drive it, it wouldn't be such a big part of religion. Uh, well, I mean, like, I, I think it would be like religion making well, laws right? about breathing, you know, you would, you don't have to make laws about breathing because it's something we do naturally. If what we did was mate uh, uh, monogamously for life naturally, religion wouldn't have so many mores about it. But they, the, the reason there's so much ink spilt on it is because it's not naturally what humans do. And religion is constantly trying to fight against the nature of humans. Because within religion, not just Christianity, within religion, all religion, there is this sense that humanity is failed in some way it's messed up in some way. And so to fix it, you have to do these things that go against uh, our nature because our nature is bad. Uh, and so this is this is one of the ways we see this in religion is it, it's forcing us into a kind of 
ideal that seems like it ought to be the best way on paper, but it's clearly not the most natural way for us because we do it terribly. Well, nowadays, I, I wouldn't say my grandparents we always have. terribly. Y yes, we do. No, we, my grandparents were great. Okay, but there, you know, there are always exceptions, though. It's kind of like saying, well, humans aren't, uh, aren't um, carnivores because look at all the vegetarians. Well, we, we can choose to not eat meat, but make no mistake about it, uh, an omnivore is also a meat eater, right? So we can, we, can, um, we can suppress that part of our nature, but it is our nature. And so you can suppress the part of our nature that uh, wants to be with more than one person in a lifetime, and some people do it, but that doesn't mean it comes naturally or easily. Not always. Uh, I, it's, it's a struggle more for people, uh, at times, but I also think that, I think what I said was true, that if you look back in, in society and stuff like that, you'll see there are times where, uh, the institution thrived and there's times when it didn't. Okay. Um, yeah. so, so, let's... I mean, just, just a personal observation. I, I don't have the resources on hand for it, but sure. I mean, so look, I, I invite anyone, uh, who wants to challenge me to start with uh, the sources that I've left. They're, they're pretty rudimentary. They're not academic uh, sources per se, but it's, it'll get you started. Oh, in so some not reading. credible. All right. No, well, <laughs> thank you for letting <laughs> me know that I'm unless, I'm unless they're you. okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah, credible. Um, yeah, these were not QAnon sources. So for some Christians, they're not Wikileaks. credible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, by the way, I would take with you. Don't mind David. He's delirious because he's had his second vaccination today and he's out of it. So that's right. So people, if you're listening and you're worried, you cannot get uh, the coronavirus from listening to me today. Uh, which is pretty, I'm pretty sure how that's that's how that works. Um, Unless you got the bad bad dose, then you're the first one to turn into a I am legend zombie. Well, look at what it did to my eye. Um, so where <laughs> where were we? Um, I want to go back to something that you suggested earlier, and uh, Andrew probably thought that I was going to let you get away with it, and I'm actually not. Um, about the Old Testament being uh, descriptive rather than prescriptive. And I would say that, you know, having read the Old Testament, that's probably true to some degree. Uh, that said, it's not true to most of the degree. And the, the reason I say this is because people wrote things down and appended, thus saith the Lord, to it. So, um, you can't just say, oh, well, that's not the Lord saying that. That's just how people thought of it. This is how liberals read the Bible, and people who um, have a more fundamentalist education uh, very much disagree with this form of reading. By the way, I disagree with this form of reading, too, um, for the record. Um, once you append something with, thus saith the Lord, then this is masquerading at the very least as something that is prescriptive. Uh, and, and where so does that's it how say, you have thus saith the Lord, you can have a thousand and one wives? <laughs> I don't, I didn't well, see that. Well, hey, I, hey I, matter of fact, some of them had even more than that, I think, you know, but yeah, I, so I don't see that in there. Um, I also, you know. I also left this in the blog. Uh, I, I 
think I may have quoted. And so people can read the uh, the blog for more if you think that I'm being a little bit vague on the podcast. Because I'm just not going to look up a bunch of things to talk about this. It's in the blog. Wrote it down. Um, but this is about uh, marriage anyway. So you're not right. Really, so one of but one of the examples. I having a theological um, discussion. So right. Well, yeah. What does marriage have to do with theology? Uh, one of the examples would be uh, when David like Old Testament. Come on. When David took that's the Bible, right? Uh, when David took uh, Bathsheba as a wife um, and the prophet uh, came to him and speaking uh, directly from the Lord, saying to David, I gave you all of Solomon's wives and I would have given you more. That's that's God. Um, and so you can you can look at every other example and say, well, God just chose not to say anything about those situations, uh, but he was secretly against it. But in this case, God is proactively saying, no, I did this. Uh, so you, you can't you, you can say, well, but he didn't tell other people to go do it. But I think at that point, you're just weaseling out of um, the, the cold, hard fact that the Old Testament God had no problem with polygamy. Okay, I, I, I'd have to look at that scripture specifically and actually, you know, uh, give it some thought on that. But I, you got the you got the king wrong anyway with Saul, not Solomon. But um, yeah. I'd have to look more into it. Yeah, I guess Saul's, Saul's wife. Yeah. yeah, I'd have to see and and see what what the what it was meant by by it all. I'd have to look into it. So I don't have it readily. Uh, yeah, and uh, if so. I'm not mistaken, whole, Solomon idea, had even more wives. Um, Solomon did. He was the one that I said is over a thousand and one, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, he was he was the wisest man on earth supposedly. So, uh, you know, David was a man after God's own heart. Um, the, um, the famous story of Jacob uh, and Rachel, you know, that great love story um, that doesn't often talk about Leah, <laughs> the mother of half the uh, tribes of Israel. Uh, God worked this story out through a man with two wives. Um, at no point in the Old Testament does God have a problem with polygamy. Uh, and so I don't, I don't think that you can just get away uh, with saying, well, yeah, but that was descriptive, not prescriptive. No, God was involved uh, here. And so I, uh, I recognize that you might want to do some, some, off mic uh, reading and studying, but those yeah, people absolutely. who are uh, Christians and have been Christians for a long time um, know what to, I'm yeah, talking about. I would have about. to look into that specific example. Yeah, and you're breaking up again, buddy. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, no, I can, but, uh, I can see it, yeah, but we're just going to so keep I, going as if we're going we're gonna to push through. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I'd have to look, look at that more in detail uh, to give you an answer, but um, as for what I know, uh, from what I've studied, I, I see more of the prescriptive or the descriptive, not the prescriptive nature of things. And God works even through 
sinful man. So I, I see. Right. I see but that. this, once yes. again, God works through sinful men, but he doesn't work through them by sinning. And so you would have to say um, that if God wanted his pure, by the way, pure line of people, Israelites, to be truly pure, he could have said, no, Jacob, you only, you may, you may have Rachel and Leah as wives, but you can only have sex with one of these people. So culturally, you have to take Leah, but uh, otherwise, uh, you have to treat Rachel as your one wife. He did not do that. Um, and th this is the li the pure line that Jesus was supposed to come through. So no, I don't think you can say he just allowed sin. And once again, when talking to David, uh, he didn't say, David, I allowed you to have all of these lot wives and I would have allowed you to have more. He said, I gave uh, actively. So um, this is God taking the credit for something. And if it is sin, um, then you have to say God is a sinner. And if you say then that polygamy is just a naturally worse form of uh, marital arrangement than monogamy, then you have trouble with most of the God of the Old Testament uh, and how he, how he viewed relationships. Because not only did they allow, uh, not only did he allow for polygamy, he also allowed for uh, something called concubines. And a concubine is just a glorified mistress, um, a girlfriend, a little bit on the side, but it wasn't a wife, so it was okay. But it also wasn't adultery. And there were uh, female slaves, not exactly wives either, that could be used as concubines. And so you might recall Abraham. He was a man who had a concubine. Uh, and he thought maybe God wanted him to fulfill, um, you know, having a child through his wife's slave. Uh, so that would be, in, in Abraham's mind, a way of having a child with his wife, by having a child with his wife's property. Um, God did not rebuke Abraham for adultery. He did not commit adultery. <laughs> God rebuked Abraham for just not believing that it would be Sarah. Uh, so not, not only did, did God not seem to mind the polygamy, he also didn't seem to mind the concubines as well. And so it one has a hard time imagining what qualified as adultery in the Old Testament. Sure, sure. I I, I see. Uh, again, I I'd have to go back and and uh, look over the verses. I'm not in the New the Old Testament right now, but sure. Yeah, I see. I I see where you're coming from. Uh, it does does look like a mess, but I've oftentimes <clears throat> looked back and, like I said, I've always seen that. Uh, that God works through these guys and doesn't always harp on one thing or another. And, and who knows exactly uh, if God was enraged at whatever he was doing on that, that aspect, but uh, was still working a whole nother plan. I, I don't know. So I'm not, well, I'm not, you I'm not sure where you're trying to go for the, well, where that, I'm trying, where know? I'm so, trying to, where I'm trying to go I, I would like, is to suggest that polygamy is in fact i would let me i'm sorry i can't let this go quite that easily because there's more to it that i you know whether you were prepared to discuss it or not it needs to be mentioned for the audience 
it was not just allowed by God, it was enshrined in the law. It was commanded, uh, and here's what I mean. Uh, if uh, your brother has a wife and your brother dies, you have to take his wife along with your wife. Now you have two wives. Furthermore, you have to have sex with both of these wives because you have to fulfill your duty. You have to bear children through these wives. You can't just have one of them um, be kicked to the curb as it was because it wasn't your choice for a wife. This, this was Jewish law all the way through Jesus' day. This, this, this was the arrangement of marriage at that time. And to, to fail to acknowledge that um, is to miss something crucial here. When I say that the notion of marriage we have today is, is different, you need to understand that even religiously, religious people didn't see marriage at that time the way we see marriage today. I seriously doubt even in the New Testament, they saw marriage uh, the same way we see it today. But what was more common was this idea of polygamy. It certainly wasn't uh, the idea that more than one wife was bad because it was the law. Uh, and so when, when, you, when, you're, when you're kind of expressing monogamy, lifetime monogamy as the model for marriage, it wasn't. And, and Christians have to wrestle with that. Uh, and so part of the reason I don't like the institution of marriage uh, is because of the way it has kind of been reformulated uh, today, it is not natural. Uh, it wasn't in, uh, in Old Testament time, it wasn't in the Gospels time, and uh, it isn't today. But we just think it's the only way marriage has always been, and it isn't. Well, I, again, I would, I would refer you back to what I was saying before about, you know, there's, there's times where it, it has been that, and it's times where it hasn't been that. And I don't know what you're, you're missing there, but uh, we see even, it, like you said, in the Old Testament. Now, the scripture you did cite, I did pull it up. Uh, I, I don't see where it specifically said he gave uh, Saul's wives for David to marry. Uh, he definitely gave it to him in, to care for his estate. Now, David would have to care for his estate. That was one of their, you know, their rules, you know, um, and that was just, I guess, the right thing to do for them back then is to care for the estate. But um, yeah, I also see that God tolerated polygamy in the Old Testament as well. He commanded so it. Commanded. I don't think. I, I don't think so. I don't think he ever commanded it. Do you remember he, he Onan? Allowed it. I'm sorry. Do you remember Onan? The story of Onan. Onan. And and no, I yes, don't. Onan. So you might be familiar with the term Onanism. Um, Onanism is an old world term for masturbation. Uh, Onan was an Old Testament character uh, who. Uh, you know, it, a part of this Jewish law, his, his uh, brother had died, uh, uh, was killed or something, and he uh, had to take on his brother's wife. And he went in to, uh, you know, consummate that relationship, but he didn't want to have children um, through his brother's wife. And so he pulled out and came on the ground or something to that effect. And uh, God cursed him for that. Uh, I don't remember if God cursed him or just struck him dead. But that's 
that's kind of the story because it was his duty to not just marry her in name only, but she had to be a full wife. That is polygamy. Uh, the the story that um, that the um, Pharisees came to Jesus with to try to trip him up, the, the most famous one, there were seven brothers. Once upon a time, there were seven brothers. And, uh, you know, the first brother uh, married a wife and he, uh, one brother married a wife and he died. And then she went to the next brother and uh, he died. And, and at, you know, through this kind of ridiculous tale, they all had had the same woman as a wife quite, uh, quite legitimately. But in that culture, all of these brothers may have had uh, wives already. In fact, they would have had wives already, especially the older ones. Uh, this is just how marriage was at that time. Um, now, Jesus' answer, of course, was uh, none of these brothers would, uh, she wouldn't be any of their wives in heaven because there won't be any marriage in heaven because marriage is just for earth for you animals. Uh, we're not, we wouldn't sully heaven with a thing like that, God forbid. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm mentioning all of these things so that you can, so that can at least strike something in your mind to realize that religiously speaking, I am correct here um, in that the, the more common view of marriage throughout most of the Bible was polygamy. Okay. Uh... Again, like I said, I'd have to look more into it. Uh, obviously, you were prepared to go the polygamy route. I was not. Uh, so, yeah. It's part like of the I blog. That, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw that it was. But like I said, I, I didn't get to to prepare. So, yeah, uh, it, it may, it may have been further down, but it's, but, uh, it's in there. Uh, again, you, you know, we see specific commands that uh, forbid kings from marrying more than one wife. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, 17, um, and also in Leviticus 18, 17, uh, it forbids marrying a woman and her daughter so that that would, that would be at odds with the, with the stuff that you're talking about with David and Saul's wives. And, and, you know, I mean, you went through scriptures. I don't, I don't even know what scriptures you went through in the blog. I can't remember off the top of my head, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't see that being the ideal, but I see it being tolerated. So, yeah, that's what I would say there. But what okay, is well, what, what your, does this what have to your... do with your 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 idea of marriage? Because I'm not getting into the theological debate with you on uh, the whole idea of of this aspect. I, I I'm actually wondering more. What should marriage look like then? What, what is this? Should we get rid of the institution altogether, or, or what's your point? What are you driving at? You want yeah, to have so a so I actually, I actually, so. I actually <laughs> go into great detail of that um, on the blog too. So we'll we'll get to that at the very end because that's where it is. Yeah, because that's what I'm trying um, to get into. Because that's that's what I'm more ready to talk about. Okay, well we'll we will get there, but I it's it's important to kind of lay a foundation down of why the institution of marriage we have right now is not I would, good. I would just suggest you suggest to you if you want to look into the Old Testament stuff, we can look into uh, 
what different people have said about it over the years uh as far as like paul copan mentioned some of it in his book so i mean there's a lot there's a lot there that that we could get to but i don't think that's what kind of like was driving your blog post to begin with well a, a little <laughs> bit so let's so but there's yeah, a, there's but a story there's like a, a story an hour on <laughs> okay but it's because but it's because you as a Christian don't seem to know the history of it. I was prepared to gloss over it. Yeah, I wasn't. I thought we and just were just assume that you had a base thing. knowledge of this stuff. But, uh, but well, now I do I have can... a base knowledge of it. That's what I'm giving you right now is a base knowledge of it, of what I can recall from what I studied before on it and that's you know i often like i said see that there's a pers there's more of a descriptive nature and a toleration you're right saying, and commanding it i think you're reading the scripture wrong at that point okay uh, and, this, and so this view, is why we spent 30 minutes on it because i am not reading the scripture wrong and you're simply trying to brush off the god from of type of marriage that you don't like uh, but if you're going well, to that's have not a true, that's uh, what I'm trying to do is get you back on the main point of the blog. You said it was well, you can't really do bit. that if you're saying false things about the background. This is uh, but that's not the marriage. background of marriage in general it is not what you were going. This for. is the you're background talking of about a Christian marriage. This is where it started from. And so that I am, I am was perfectly throughout, but it was never the ideal, of course. Wait a minute. Why are you saying it was never the ideal? Why? You keep saying because that, and I keep telling you that God uh, uh, both and allowed and commanded with it. With you, that's why well, we should. On move what on. basis? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. No. Well, on what basis are you the, disagreeing? From what I've studied through Scripture, I mean, do you you expect me just to throw out Bible verses left and right? I mean, I'm not going to do that. I told you I, I, I would didn't prepare exactly for that. Okay, so, then I don't. I, 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 then are it, you okay? Well, let me let me see if I can figure prepared? out what you're disagreeing on. Uh, are you disagreeing that God commanded polygamy? I'm, I disagree that he commanded it. Yes. Okay. So, do you disagree? And I have to look. That, have wait a minute. Let, let's let's just do you, you do that. you disagree that it was a part of the law that a man had to take his brother's wife if he died? I would have to look what the you disagree with that on that if he was if I just told you, I was giving you an answer. Why did you cut, cut me off? Okay, because it sounds you like you always you're... do this. <laughs> I, I don't well, understand why. I, because you don't let the person answer. I don't understand what you're look, disagreeing on. Do you, it. Do you di okay? Well, uh, you said very specifically an that you disagreed, and I'm trying to figure out what I you're disagreeing on. I, I don't think God commanded polygamy. I, I don't think He commanded it. So if uh, a if a man has I've a studied, wife and I, he again, takes I his brother's agree. wife and he has two wives, it, is that polygamy? That would be polyamory, right? But is that polygamy? Uh, no, is that I? I'd have if to a, look at the, the references. I'd have to look at what's going on there. No, Again, you I don't. If a man has a wife and he takes his brother's wife, and now he has two wives, is that polygamy? I would again. I'd. I'd have. I, I guess. I, I, okay. If, well, if that's the law. That that's God. I'd have to look at. I'd have to look at your your interpretation of that law and look into the the verse no it's itself. not my interpretation of the law it's just the law it's the bible and and i i once okay. again i get that you obviously are obviously it is because you say you know context is subjective so i i don't know where you're going with that so again 
Okay. Well, I don't have the scriptures in front of me. I can't give you. I can't give you a full view on this. And and it seems like you take pride into going into areas that are not totally conducive to what the blog post states and leading the conversation down a rabbit hole that you prepared for. That's so literally what the blog post states. Um, uh, you didn't go. You, you didn't go detailed into it like you're trying to do now and push I've, the narrative way down a rabbit hole that we weren't supposed to be going down. Okay, I've got about about 18 inches of small type on under the heading polygamy. And in fact, it may be more than 18 inches. Um, so yeah, that is what the blog states. But let's let us uh, move forward because it, it, you know, that's a lower portion of the blog, and you may have not have gotten that far. Um, let's let's go for something near the top of the blog. Who owns marriage? Now, the the blog post, the title of the blog post, <laughs> this very top of the blog, what God has joined together. This is a common phrase that uh, you hear in Christian marriages uh, uh, at the end of the vows. What God has joined together, let no one part asunder. Um, and I spend uh, just a couple of very small paragraphs, much less space than I spent on polygamy, uh, by the way, uh, just arguing against the notion that God should or does have anything to do with marriage, let alone that God is the one joining people together. So perhaps we can start there. Do you think that God joins people together in marriage? I think there are a host of things going on. Um, what do you think? You don't think he does it at all? Do, I don't do think you? there's a God. So okay. obviously so, I don't. Um, yeah, so... I would have to say that I believe there is a a sort of joining. I don't I don't know what that would look like. I think there's obviously human will involved. I believe. Uh, I, I guess I'm not truly understanding your question here. Does God bless a marriage or whatever? Maybe, yeah, sure. Well, well, I'm I'm just quoting from the from pretty much every marriage vow that's happened in America for the last. Yeah, well, well, years, God's couple. joined together. If there's some, so you know, what does that mean? What is what does it mean that God has joined someone together? I think it means that when someone is joined together, when they choose to be together or what have you, that there's some act of providence involved that joins them together. What do you and, mean by active providence? Because I don't understand that. Okay. So act of providence where God is meticulously provident. I think you do understand it. Uh, no, I don't. I, I, if I understood it, I would say I understood it. Uh, I'm I'm a fairly cocky, uh, arrogant person. Well, I, I don't I like admitting on air I when, I don't when I don't understand when I don't understand something. That, but I would rather not you, say it to everybody pretty, listening. But I don't understand what you're talking about. You were a former Christian and. I would have never said the, as a Christian, God has some provident activity. That is not that is not okay. a companion of words so I would have used. So I don't know what you mean. Of Calvinism and Arminianism and stuff like that. That talk well, you're not a Calvinist. Providence. I'm not. I, I said Arminian too. So you would understand 
the idea of providence, right? Uh, I think I understand the idea of providence as I would have understood it as a Christian. Now, I think that providence as I understood it as a Christian was bullshit, but uh, okay. I could probably reproduce what I thought providence was. So why don't, let's hear what you think. Uh, providence is God acting in a way that can't be detected and it looks like it's happening through nature. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I think that, yeah, so as far as it concerns marriage, I think that, you know, people obviously come together and they, I think that the joining of marriage is what the Bible's talking about, about that, that, you know, when they come together and make those vows, that that's, that's what that means. So I'm really not sure what you're trying to get at on that. I don't know what that means that God has joined people together. It's it's well, bumper sticker. Well, it comes from it comes from the idea in Genesis that you know God was officiating the first marriage and the first Does ceremony. It? And yeah. What, how yeah, did he that officiate idea. that ceremony? Well, he gave he gave Eve to Adam, so that's kind of like the whole notion of it. Okay, uh, he, I did, I don't. I'm sorry. I've, I I know the Genesis story very well, and I actually don't get a picture of marriage in there at all. I've never seen a picture of marriage in that. So I, I'm going to ask again. When, isn't that when, isn't that the first place where it says that these two will become one flesh? The 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 place where Jesus uh, quotes, you know. Yeah, but it says that uh, about anyone who has sex. Uh, if you if you look at uh, Romans. Um, uh, I want to say it's uh, Romans where it talks about having sex with prostitutes. Don't you know that um, you know you have the spirit of God and you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't want to join the spirit of God with prostitutes? It's uh, this is this is kind of um, uh, an ancient notion that doesn't mean a lot in modern times. And so when modern people say what God has joined together, I am trying to wrap my head around what they mean. Is, is it just a meaningless bumper sticker slogan that Christians say that makes them feel warm in the belly but doesn't mean anything? Or do you actually envision God having some part in marriage? You talked about provident activity. What's the activity? I, I wouldn't know 100%. Uh, okay, well, I don't know off, at all. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I don't know what some people, I mean, there obviously there's people with different definitions of marriage, obviously. Well, I'm I mean, trying to figure out what how, God's how role that... is for even for a Christian. So I'm not a Christian. You are a Christian. Maybe you can tell me what you think God's role in marriage is. Because well, I, I, I actually think that God's role in marriage gets to the point of this show. I think that that's part of what's infected society and our notions of marriage today and that we need to get out. Uh, and so maybe you can tell me what you as a well, Christian why, think God's well, role in marriage is. I mean, why, why do you think it's a problem in society, this, this Christian notion? Why, why not just let the Christians do what they want to do? Well, Christians don't want to do, do what you, they want to do. They you want practice you to marriage. You know, you practice marriage the way you want to do. <laughs> well, that's not how the law works. I'm sorry. It's Christians not? don't Christian. No, Christians aren't married. Okay, so under, how does the law work? How does the, how does law, the work? law work? 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to have a marriage license. Well, of uh, course. Yeah. That's a government thing. Right. Religiously. Well, right. And so ultimately, uh, once again, I also said this in the blog under who owns marriage. Uh, I ultimately think the government owns marriage uh, in any practical sense because the government is the one that makes you married. Well, not so only that, you, you said they, you think they should, right? Well, yeah, I think that they also should if marriage is going to be something that we do because marriage is a legal contract. Uh, so why not government just government thing. stay out of it and just let people do what they want to do? Well, would that be fine but, too? Uh, yeah, that would be that would probably and be better. But that's that's not yeah. what it is, and okay. so well, that's it, well, not only well, is that not what it is, that's not what Christians want. Uh, and so you can say that, and maybe well, you Christians want it. I don't want know, but to Christians define don't marriage want that. as they think it's reflected in the Bible, right? Well, so, no. Well, wait a minute. Hang on. They want to define marriage for everyone as they think it's reflected in the Bible, not just for them. So they, so they Christ, Christians are not asking too. for a carve out so that they can define marriage for themselves. They are demanding that marriage be defined for everyone the way they understand it. And so once again, I, I think it's best if we get religion out of marriage. And so part of that is the idea that God is involved with the marriage process uh, in some way. Um, and so Personally, I, asking... I believe that, uh, of course, uh, I believe that God does know ultimately what's going to happen. So I think there it, it, from that's kind of that, like my idea of but knowing what's going to happen doesn't mean that and, he did something right. I well, mean, sets, I, you know, I think he may have, you know, and this is personally, this may not be biblically. This is just how I feel. I think God does uh, work in the aspect of of helping you find a, a, a mate. And okay, so like you that. think that's, that people are joined together as soulmates? Not, not necessarily, because I think we can get it wrong too. I think there's a lot of varying complexity to it, but that it's just... You know, okay, why would we say what God has joined together if we don't think that God, if, if we don't think this match is what God has joined together? Well, I think for the most part that that we do, I think there's, of course, I, personally, I, I think that God does ordain, you know, doesn't ordain, what's the right term? Uh, well, he, he foreknows who you're going to be with. So therefore, you know, those those circumstances are known. Um, based off of our freedom, but uh, yeah, I, I think that he can be involved in the process of helping you find a mate, whether it's spiritually or uh, prayerfully. You're praying for it. He answers your prayer. He leads you to the right direction. Sometimes, sometimes you know, some people some people go off and do what they want to do versus uh, you know things they should do, but. That's that's neither here nor there to the point of marriage in, in itself, but yeah, I mean, I, I, as far as I can tell, as for me, I believe God, you know, put my wife in front of me and put 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 her in my path. But that's just my personal opinion. So I don't have okay. anything that could be relative to back that or uh, relevant to back that up as far as you know, definite or scripturally. I mean, that's just what I feel, you know. So. I see. So, um, and I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm also, uh, the type of Christian that does say that, you know, this shouldn't be a government 
government-run thing. It's it's a personal thing, and government should say the heck out of it. But uh, I do want to address Andrew's comment on women as gifts. Uh, no, God gave it gave the institution. It's not just women as gifts. He gave Eve to Adam. Yes, he gave her away, like a dad would give away his daughter. You know, it's, why it's, does a dad give away a daughter? It's just a tradition, I think. Now, you know, you know yeah, but why? A, a what? Think, think that, back to when the tradition started. Yeah, well, we if give you away. Look at it, if you look at it, you take care of your kids. You you grow. You you, you raise them. Dads and don't give at, away at sons. Some point, at some point, but often stand as their best men sometimes. You right, know? but they don't give away sons. Who gives this this man away is not but, a part of the tradition. Yeah, but but as I as I'm explaining, um, you raise your daughters, you raise your sons, you raise your children, and at some point you're like, hey, take care of this for me now when you give your daughter away. That's kind of the way I see it. Right. That's a that's a sexist view if you don't see that for is. your sons. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't right. think of it as sexist at all. But, well, of course you wouldn't think of it. At that. That's why you have me as the demon on your shoulder. Um, if you if you think of that for your right. daughters and you don't think of that as your sons, it's a part of the ingrained sexist tradition of religion. Uh, you give your daughter away. Let me help you out because women are property. They're either the property of the father or they're the property of the husband. And the, uh, it is a way of passing on the property rights from the father to the husband. Yeah, um, I understand that some cultures think of it like that. But as, as far as me, it's it's more of saying, hey, you know, I've raised her. It's, it's OK, a, well, that's a, biblical a culture of your 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 child to trusting somebody else to take care of her. Right. Because, I understand you say that you know, some cultures, but that's biblical culture. That women were property. Yes. Again, we can go back and we can argue the entire right because you don't want to talk God about the Old Testament, us. but I'm just I'm just saying this is no, this is exactly, all throughout the Old Testament. Because I'm not going to sit here and talk about Paul Copan's has got a moral monster book and go through all that with you right now. Where if you want to know why I, what I think marriage is, I'm more than happy to tell you. But if you want to go back and and try to get get some gotcha moments because you prepared, no, you're the one who brought up the whole you're giving leading the of, conversation. Giving, you're so, the one who brought up the giving the daughter away thing, and, and I I'm did just bring saying that away. And I told you how I saw that, and it's not sexist the way I look at it. Well, and how come do you don't think, think of the same way for your sons? You know, I never said I didn't. Okay, well, but it was. I'm just as much of involved in my son's wedding as I would be in my daughter's wedding. Yeah, do you think of it as I giving your son the away? The son, the son doesn't walk down the aisle. Okay, Why I not? don't because he doesn't. He's usually standing up at the top. Right. <laughs> it's just. Have you have you thought through any of these traditions at all? I of course. This is this course. is what I mean about religion not, having. I don't one. have a problem with it. You're the one that has a problem with it. You're making well, the mountain out of a molehill. The reason oh, you don't have a problem with it is because you've never thought about it. And and of course, this I've is why I. It. But I just think it's I think it's foolish to give give it the same credence as. I'm actually giving you the you benefit would. of the doubt by saying that you haven't thought about it. Uh, okay, that is not an insult in this case. Uh, you are you are only now coming face to face with some of the consequences of these ideas because you're uh having to face me uh with this and you haven't considered what that means the fact of the matter is these traditions that you find so dear are uh come from a very barbaric uh ancient mindset 
that we as a society would be better off without. This is part and parcel of the problem with marriage. And this is again why I say religion has won the cultural battle because people do these things and say these things without ever thinking about how freaking horrible they really are. I, I don't think they are. I, I think you're way off the rails on that one. I, I don't think that some of these things are as as you portray them. But if that's how you feel about it, I, I can't change you on that. So. So um, God's process in marriage, let me, uh, let me let me touch that just a half a second more, just half a tick more. Um. I cannot imagine what God's process in marriage would be, even as a Christian. It didn't make any sense to me that God was joining people together in some mystical way. Here's why. Um, you talked about how you believe that your, you and your wife were somehow God-blessed, uh, foreseen, for had, had some type of what was your word? Provident activity um, in, in the joining. A lot of people feel the same way. And then their husband, their good Christian uh, church going tithing husband turns out to be um, an alcoholic who beats their wife. Uh, did, did God still join them together? Um, well, the preacher must have thought so, because he said so. Uh, both parties at the time uh, probably thought so, because they're in that tradition. But after the fact, you can look at a, the nightmare situation and then say, well, maybe God didn't join these together. So the only way you can actually tell if God had some provident action in marriage is to see how it turns out. It's a post hoc rationalization, where you're kind of giving God credit for something that turned out well. But if it turns out badly, then you could say, oh, well, that wasn't God. Um, I think that is a fallacious form of thinking. Or, and I thought so maybe, even as a Christian. Or maybe, or maybe God did join them together, but their free actions and their freedom took them down a bad path. And they well, but you said, that God, wife, you said that God then, sees everything from from the beginning to the end he sees the future right so he knows that that he person is going yeah. to be an alcoholic wife beater well he he foreknows things that that are going to happen absolutely but it's okay based, so what god it, joined it, together free, one a free. godly woman you're with an alcoholic free. wife beater you're still free to uh make your decision and become an alcoholic that ends up right beating his wife right so, well god yeah, joined so those people together in marriage yeah Absolutely. God would join together a good godly woman oh with an gosh, alcoholic wife beater. Spinning, spinning the, the whole thing. Well, that's, well, that's the question no, I asked. Let me ask the question again. Got, okay. Would no, no, God no, no, join no, no, those no, no, people no, no, no. together? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God may have joined two people together and the person ends up through his freedom going wrong and, and ends up beating his wife. I, I, yeah, I, I don't see where somebody's freedom is in question here. 
Okay, so this is what I'm trying to understand. I'm not trying to beat you up, but you're saying things that fundamentally don't make any sense to me. You're saying that God sees through time and knows what's going to happen. So he knows that this guy in our hypothetical situation is an alcoholic wife beater uh, that just hasn't started drinking yet. But he decides that this is this woman's soulmate. I'm joining you with this person. And if they exercise their free will and do the thing that I know they're going to do anyway, then that's not on me. Why did he join them together? In the first place, if he knew that they were going to go wrong? Yes. That's a, that, that's a good question. I, I, I totally sympathize with it, but uh, that's that has to do with the problem of evil, man, and, and what happens when these things uh, occur, when someone does go wrong. Um, people make free choices to do things. God doesn't necessarily stop them. <laughs> he lets them have their freedom. <laughs> so I don't don't understand. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I think that's enough on that one for people to get a sense. Um, narrowing it down here. Um, so uh, we talked about owning marriage a little bit. Now, uh, I just want to make sure I understand your position, because if I do, it runs counter to the church's position as a whole, as I understand the church's position, which is to say that you think that marriage should be a nun institution that simply decided between the people who want to join together and that no overarching institution should uh, define what it is in its parameters. Is that correct? Rephrase that. You're saying that there should be no uh, official institution of marriage that's overseen by any particular body. On a government level, I don't think that on an institutional level, just for, you know, the government being one institution, you're saying the church shouldn't do it. The government shouldn't do it. No institution. No, I'm saying the church, the church can do it, not, but to people that want to go through the church, I I believe that people have freedom to. Okay. So you're saying institutionally that any institution should be able to do it. Well, yeah, well, not necessarily. I, I don't think. I, I'm relating that to law and so forth. I don't know what you're trying to get at. Well, does the church get to make law? No. Okay. In marriage would be a matter of law, would it not? No. Okay. So if marriage that. is not a matter of law, then it sounds like what you're saying is that any institution or organization ought to be able to make its own rules about marriage for its uh, uh, consenting members. I would say that the institution of marriage, as we see it, uh, is probably best done in a free society by other institutions that aren't mandated to force everybody under the same covering. Okay, that sounds like you're restating what I'm saying from a different. Is it okay? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So maybe I I'm just, just I'm there's just a disconnect. I think right, but I I am honestly try. I know it sounds like I'm just trying to beat you about the head and shoulders just to be mean, and I am honestly trying to to 
nail down what you are saying so that I can understand it. Um, and it feels like nailing down jello sometimes. Uh, by the way, who tries to nail down jello? That's stupid. Um, Obviously, you do because you thought of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I do. And right. one day I'm going to succeed. Um, you know, if you froze the jello. Anyway, um, we'll experiment with that. So you believe that the church should be able to regulate marriage for religious people. Is, is that an accurate statement? In a nutshell, yeah. Okay. So when I say the church, that's a pretty big word. Uh, do you mean the Catholic church? Or do you mean every local congregation or every denominational organization? Who exactly in this this religious thing is regulating marriage and for what group of people? Well, I think it, it comes down to congregational. I mean, you go to a church and, you know, you can, you, you know, you can ask your pastor to officiate. Uh, yeah, okay, so yeah. if, if one church said, um, let's say we've got... Uh, do, two congregations the across the street from each other. Custom. Yeah. So you, right. So let, let's say one church says marriage in this church uh, is allowed at age 16. And the church across the street says uh, marriage allowed in this church is allowed at age 19. Um, would, would, that, would, they just, would that just be how that works? If, if you go to this church, you can be married at 16. If you go to that church, you can be married at 19. Is, is that the kind of thing? Because this is part of regulating marriage. Well, yeah, I mean, there's obviously ages of consent and so forth that, that, that I think that would be natural to that. So, yeah, I, I would say. Do you think the church should be able to regulate age yeah. of consent? Well, yeah. Well, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Well, not All just right. the church. I, I think that it can be involved and i think that most most places are involved in that or most institutions are are involved oh you know but you're right there are some that that have those those ideas that people should be able to marry children but, but you would like agree that. that age of consent is a government thing yeah okay so then i'm, I'm just trying to figure narrow it down to something that the church would be regulating so um let's say church a says that only uh, a man and a woman uh, of a uh, minimum 18 years old can marry. And Church B says, uh, no, a, man, a, a woman and a woman uh, who are 18 can marry. Um, should, uh, is that okay? Uh, for so the members who think well no i i think only heterosexuals should marry they're they should just go to church a and then people who want to do same-sex marriage uh, they can go to church b would you be okay with that if church b was was uh uh exercising their their beliefs and their freedoms to do so then yeah yeah okay all right we're getting somewhere, I think. So I, I, I think well, I, I, was, I was prepared to go this route the whole freaking show, but you decided to spend 20 hours on other things that I wasn't ready for. 
I wrote the blog like and you did it on purpose. That's why man. you had snide grin on your face. No, I do. I, re, I give you the blog post like you've had a long time for this. <laughs> so no, I, you gave me a blog post when you know that I told you how busy I was and I couldn't prepare. Totally right. But it. this once so again, I thought this you is, would actually be nice and say, OK, well, let's let me ask. I you am what you I am nice by for. talking about the things on the blog. These are the things in the post. People who you can look at the blog, you can skim it. These are these are these are all the things in it. And in fact, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get to some place where you are prepared. But I also I also have a responsibility of laying down the foundation if I'm going to make an argument at all. Um, and, and the foundation is there. If you if you're going to argue yeah, with if, the foundation, if you want to if you want to do that from now on, let's let's discuss. OK, let's discuss a format of how we're going to talk so I can come in prepared because sure. well, if, if, I mean, if, if you're going to argue blog post, I think that you're going to you're going to talk about some of the things that are just from that blog post alone, not laying out an entire debate an argument foundation and stuff right like but that. everything that i've said is in the blog posts right now so i have not actually gone outside the blog post uh the things that i did in the other two podcasts are outside of blog posts and i did them up so i'm not even talking about those things <laughs> so yeah and i haven't read um, and to be fair i haven't read, read right so you're you're posts. kind of you're kind of um um arguing out of school there uh tr trust trust me enough that i am uh acting in good faith um not with that smirk well the smirk is is not going away okay um so we as as we have put down some foundation and we're getting into well what what we each think marriage should look like i'm i'm still kind of working on this this view that you have which i find interesting which is that each collective uh can decide marriage for themselves let me just ask should does it have to be a collective why can't each individual decide marriage for themselves well they can i think so uh, we're I, I was speaking collectively because you were asking me specific about church a and church b but yeah even in our society we even have uh, the justice of the peace can just go up there. Individuals can go there if they're not part of a collective. Okay, so, so let me so then uh, let me let me put in that. let me put in a different scenario once again from the blog. Um, if you have two women and a man who want to marry, um, they're not a part of any church. They're not a part of any collective. They uh, they live in the woods, you know, whatever. Um, they want to marry. Uh, they want an official marriage for whatever reason. Should they be allowed to marry? And and by the way, why wouldn't they be allowed? Who would be allowing them under your under your rules? Because the government's not in charge of it, and no particular church is in charge of it. So would would that be okay? I think so. There's there's kind of a two ways I, I look at this. Okay, if I'm gonna live in a free society where where you know there's limited government um is there a reason for regulating and putting caps on you know the definition of marriage and so forth uh i think that part of me wants to say the government needs to stay out of it and if two people go up to a courthouse uh then um and there's there are th 
a couple of three, then part of me wants to say, yeah, they should be able to have that freedom. However, I also think that there's some common sense stuff that we'd have to look into as far as are the effects of this infringing on different parts of society as a whole. Uh, Does their relationship uh, damage society in any other ways? And that's that has been looked into. And I guess that's why there's some laws against polyamory. Uh, But I I, I wouldn't know them and I wouldn't know the history behind them. So I can't say it's fully okay for polyamory or polygamy. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. Because okay. I don't so have... would it be fair to say that without some greater societal pressure or mandate, you would be in favor of it? I'm not in favor of it because I disagree with the lifestyle. You would biblically. be in favor of but as far as being, them being able to do that in 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 a free society, being able to do what they want and choose the way they want, I would say I would have to be because they would they'd also have to respect my my ability to get married to my wife. Okay. So one more one monotonous. more question in that line. I, I I hear where you're going. I agree with you there. But now, uh, the problem I have is in your uh, framing of this, you keep saying go to a courthouse. And I'm wondering why anyone would need to go to a courthouse. If- well, it's just I'm just I'm just using it as a reference point. It, it, okay. uh, to me, it, you shouldn't even have to do that. If you want to, you know, if you just want to have your own ceremony, you should be allowed to. You know, you can have it in your backyard. I mean, a couple of our friends got married in our backyard when I was growing up, you know? Yeah. Um, so would you so, would you agree? Would you then let me let me take it a little bit further? Um, would you uh, agree to people drawing up different terms for marriage? Right now, we assume that marriage is a forever uh, commitment. Uh, I uh, contend that humans aren't good at forever commitments. Uh, so what if humans said, you know, people start getting the seven year itch. So what if we did a seven year marriage term uh, and then we wouldn't need to divorce after seven years and marriage would just devolve. We have a seven year marriage. Um, would you be in favor of that? Say that one more time. I was reading the chat. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. And uh, feel free to yeah. tell me whatever is going on in the chat because yeah. I'm not always um it said, what is wrong with the left style? So I didn't really understand that, my friend. Uh, who said? Oh, what is wrong with the left? I think he meant the lifestyle. Yeah, the lifestyle. Uh, the lifestyle of probably <laughs> polyamory. Like, I'm messing with you, Andrew. Uh, yeah, probably you, pi- polyamory. Um, polyamory uh, is so, probably what he's talking about but before yeah. before we get there okay. i just want to i just want to say if because i want to deal with the idea of terms marriage is kind of defined um uh as a lifetime commitment and i don't okay. think that marriage has to be defined as lifetime commitment i think it's one of the biggest problems with it so what if uh a couple decided we're just going to do a seven-year marriage uh and we'll think about renewing it after seven years I would have to be okay with it if I'm living in a free society where people get to make the choice to okay. uh, marry. So, I, so despite I, I all of the fireworks from the first, uh, from the best part of the show, 
Um, we ultimately agree on this, so I'm not entirely sure how much of the last oh, part of my. You know, um, this is what I was. This is to. what I was trying to get to because in your blog post, you're just like, you know, there should be this, 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 and this. So I was like, isn't he kind of making his own rules here? Yes, I am making my own rules as hegemon of the universe, but I am not hegemon of the universe, so I don't get to do that. Uh, the rules are based on if the government is going to oversee marriage, then we have to set marriage up as the best possible arrangement uh that does the least harm to people. So how can we do that? How could we change marriage so that it's better for people? One of the things that I uh, would have changed um, is the age limit for marriage. Uh, forget 16, uh, as it is in uh, some states, or even 18, uh, I'd go 25. And I'd say if you want to marry before 25, there, there are certain exceptions I would make. But why do I say 25? Because we know universally, universally, this is not in doubt. Um, this is a uh, spheroid ovoid uh, shaped earth universally know that the human brain is not fully formed until around 25. Sometimes it's 24, sometimes it's 26, 25 is a rough average. Uh, and that is not in question. And so for something as serious and quote unquote forever as marriage, no one should be allowed to enter that kind of contract until they are fully formed. Okay. Um, here's, here's something that I would ask you. Um, did, do you think that they should be able to go to war until 25 as well? Are they allowed to be drafted before then? I, I agree completely that they should not be able to go to war uh, before 25. Now, I do think that they should be able to um, join the military. Andrew and I had some uh, offline conversation uh, about this. I think that you should be able to join the military and train. Uh, look, think about being a doctor or a lawyer. You've got to go to school for a long time before you're allowed to pick up a scalpel. Yeah. And uh, but with the military, you can go to boot camp for six weeks and get shipped off uh, to your death. Um, you shouldn't even be able to look at a gun <laughs> until your third or fourth year. Um, so, yeah, I do think that um, there it makes sense to be able to join the military and study, you know, like in college, uh, like for a profession and then uh, uh, make a decision after that point if you want to. Uh, then fight or not after your brain is formed. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would say that it, it's immoral to draft kids to fight your wars. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Well, that wasn't interesting at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was, that's, I was just generally asking what your, your thoughts were on that too. If, if, okay. Let me see if I can stir up some controversy. I see of thought there on yeah. that. I, th I I do think that people should be allowed to drink before 18. So I will give you that. And to be to be clear to the audience, I am a teetotaler. I have always been a teetotaler. I have never been a drinker. Uh, and sometimes that uh, that can put you at a disadvantage in social situations but that's fine i'm not i'm not a social drinker. i'm not any kind of drinker the only alcoholic beverage i ever drink is nyquil 
which is what I have always said is the best part of having a cold because it's delicious. Um, that said, I don't believe that beer is necessarily a social ill. I think that the way we treat alcohol in our society is a social ill. Uh, so in places in Europe, uh, kids learn to drink beer and wine uh, in their single digit age. It's not a, it's not a thing. Um, you don't get kids drunk, but they can drink. They can drink a watered down beer. Um, and it's, it's not a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when it becomes this cultural taboo. And when you have, when beer becomes synonymous with having a good time, as it as it is in our culture, I think it becomes a bad thing, it becomes a cultural ill. So I think that if we if we changed certain things about the way culture treats alcohol, there's no reason that um, one can't drink a, a, an alcoholic beverage when they're 12, let, let alone, um, you know, 18. Yeah, you know, I would probably go a little bit over that. Uh, I'd probably go probably 16 on that uh, idea. Uh, and I think you're right. If we do change some of the uh, taboos that we that we've come away with, I think that, yeah, we could we could go a better route on that. I think we could improve things. What if we uh, what if we compromised on this law and said you couldn't buy it independently until you're 16, but uh, at home with parents at a party, if they want to serve you uh, a beer at a football game when you're 12, knock yourself out here. I would never do that with my 12 year olds. <laughs> so if I had, you know, when my kids were 12, uh, right. maybe when they're 16, 17, you know, that was kind of the, the age I started trying stuff like that. Um, but I, you, you really have to judge the maturity level of your kids. I think a good uh, law that would, that would kind of balance that would be uh, a, uh, an age of maybe 16. Sure. Well, look, so I think part of that it, would be part of this culture. Yeah, and of I think that I think that 16 is a good first step. But once again, if the reason I think younger is okay, is because other cultures do it younger, and they don't have nearly the problem that we do. And so yeah. well, when, you know, when your first Swedish, my friends were Swedish, and I mm -hmm. was really shocked when his mom, I of course, I was a lot younger, he was 16, I was probably around 12. <laughs> and I was shocked that his mother was letting him drink a beer and it was just totally normal for them and i was like yeah oh, okay yeah but you know their their law was 16 you know so right but it, under I, I don't, under I don't parental know supervision under under 12 you know that's yeah but you know they're they're i think 12 year olds are, maybe because you never had a 12 year old but <laughs> i don't know i've been 12 if that if that counts for anything <laughs> yeah it does to an extent but then again you know you might be a little different than other 12 year olds you know you got to kind of gauge that with yourself as well and that's part of i think that's part of a parenting process as well you know is is you know you have a 12 year old you're 12 year old you compare it to yourself and you know what you've learned over the years so I, yeah. I don't know. Well, I've had I had beer when I was twelve. I, like I said, I've never been a drinker, but I had this uncle, um, and uh, he was he was the bad uncle. He's the one that uh, gave us our first taste of beer and also let us shoot a gun. Um, and uh, so um, when um, I love I loved that man. Anyway, um, 
I love yeah, the first myself, but that's the first time um, I had a. You like guns, you say? I do. I love shooting guns, man. Okay. Uh, hey, Andrew. Uh, I don't know if you're still there. I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of school, but uh, rumor has it that there might be a podcast coming down the road on uh, one of these networks on uh, guns, and um, uh, I, I will be glad to lobby for you uh, to be on that show if you like, because um, this this might be one that you uh, would do do well on. Uh, just saying. Anyway, um, I think part of the problem with beer is that for so many kids in America, their first experience with beer is behind the gym or off in the woods with their friends or off in secret to sneak it and it it's this thing that has this mystique around it whereas if the first if your first experience was a beer was you're at the dinner table and you've eaten and now you're going to eat your dessert uh and your parents pour you a, a shot of beer and say hey try this I, I think it would be an entirely different experience altogether um, and so once again, it's part, it, partly it's culture. It's, yeah. it's this idea that, oh, we're drinking now. Um, and they don't, they don't think of it that way at all in other yeah. places. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, I, I totally, there, there know, there's, there's water and there's Kool-Aid and there's beer and the water's pretty bad here. And so you're going to need to boil it or ferment or something anyway. And so weak beer, I, I suspect in some cultures came about because it was a safer thing to drink. Oh, either that or, or, you know, the, the monks needed their nutrition, right? <laughs> <From fasting. laughs> so, so, okay. Um, yeah. Marriage, um, age uh did you have anything else on age of consent uh, i think that uh android mentioned something about no, I, that i Any... think we talked about that i think we covered yeah. that yeah so i'm i'm just kind of going down here same-sex marriage we've really covered that i was hoping to have some uh stronger dispute about that and that's one of the bigger parts of my blog post but it mostly doesn't matter and um then my conclusion let me just see if there's something else in here that's i think we uh, went over our hour 20 anyway so it's possible uh, i honestly had more fun in the first 30 minutes well, um, that's because you're leading me down twenty thousand rabbit holes that i wasn't ready to go into <laughs> but it's all good so, so uh one other thing in here the um the certificate the independence of people who are getting married so to me it's not just about consent it's about people not getting locked into dangerous situations where they are codependent and i think that one of the problems with marriage one of the things that uh i will just mention i spoke in the blog post about how marriage uh divorce is actually more much uh, uh, higher among christians <laughs> than non-christians uh, so that would have uh, been some fun debating. If anyone wants to debate me on that, read the sources first and then comment. Uh, don't just don't start running your mouth until you actually know what you're talking about uh, on that one. Uh, but what I'm what I'm interested in uh, is the codependent uh, nature of marriage. So there there are a few things that make marriage kind of rough, especially for Christians. One, they feel like they have to do it. Now, they think this is something that's a God thing. God is joining you together. This is the institute that God wants you to, to be in. 
the church, uh, the Catholic Church, even considers it one of the seven sacraments. I think there's seven. Uh, uh, so it's it's really really important to do. Also, it's something that uh, is only done. Um, I, I think for sexual legitimacy, but there's there's a pressure in the church that women remain virgins, that boys remain virgins, that you don't have sex before marriage. And so this puts a lot of biological pressure on getting married way too young. Um, and when you are married that young, there are certain codependencies that are natural, that, that is hard to avoid. Codependency number one, you don't have any money. And if you come from a rich family, maybe you have the money of that, but you don't have any money. Uh, and so even if one of you has a job, you probably both don't. Uh, another thing that you don't have is an education. At 18, uh, no one except super geniuses uh, have a uh, anything like a complete education. Uh, and so uh, there is a very good chance that at least one person in that marriage is not going to complete their education. That's going to create another codependency. Um, that is bad. So money, uh, education, and uh, I can't remember what the other thought I had. Uh, we might just say worldliness, which is uh, the idea that you haven't seen the world and you haven't had any experience and you don't know what you compare anything to. And so you're getting married with a limited set of options um, that at 18 that you simply wouldn't have at 25. Your options would be much greater as you would uh, know more about the world and your likes and dislikes. So I think that there are certain codependencies built into marriage, and I would uh, create a marriage system that eliminated as many of those codependencies as possible. Part of it is just moving the age of 25 so that people can live a little bit more life and know a little bit more about what they want. Secondly, uh, you need uh, an education, whatever uh, the end of your education is going to be. I'd say if you want to marry before 25, you got to at least have associate's degree. You've got to have some uh, ability to be able to get out and get on your own with some kind of education. I would say that you need your own income. You need an income. If you don't have any money, you want to marry someone who has money, you are putting yourself in a desperate situation because you can't exactly walk out of that marriage. So there are some things that I would do to try to eliminate codependencies um, in marriage, if the state has to be involved in uh, setting up marriage, do you have anything to say about uh, that part? Well, yeah, not not much, but I would I would probably think that you're you're putting up too many, uh, you're getting the government involved too much. Like, but it, from your point of view, if the state is the the sole proprietor of marriage and it's not the individual. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I understand there has to be some sort of level of involvement. Um, I would probably back off some of those a little bit. I would probably say, you know, I mean, you said 25. I don't know if I'd go that route. I do like that, you know, education is a priority. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good thought, even though it never happens <laughs> that way in, in a lot of situations. It's a good thought. Uh I would hope you'd raise your kid like that, but I'm not for, I don't think I would be for a government have that much control. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so what I would do as a government though, is I would say you can do any arrangement you want, but if you want a government blessed marriage, these are the, these are the parts of it, but I, you don't I have to that. have a government blessed marriage. Yeah. 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 That's true. You really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's like, you know, yeah, I don't need a certificate from the state to say that I'm married to my wife. I don't think I need that. 
but yeah. according to my taxes, I have to, I right. guess, right? Right, and that is completely artificial. That's, that's an and, artificial and thing that doesn't have to be. Yeah. And I, I think that's part of the pressure that makes people marry when they would probably rather not, because there are social benefits to being married right now that are completely artificial, uh, that push people into a situation that's probably not very good. Look, we've... Um, uh, unfortunately, we've agreed most of the last half of this podcast, and so it's it's completely ruined. Um, it was it was better <laughs> when we were arguing. Uh, let me see if I can end on a really bad note, though. Um, I and, and this is not in the blog post, so I but I did want to get your opinion on it because it's part of the um, part of the supplemental. Uh, I am in favor of divorce, and I think that divorce is a good thing. It's a good thing every time. Um, even if one person doesn't want to get divorced, divorce is a good thing every time because your relationship is over. If you got one person in your relationship that's uh, miserable, um, your relationship is bad and you need an escape clause. Uh, if you find that you are in a ma uh, marriage and uh, your spouse is a psycho, uh, you got you need to be able to get out. Uh, divorce is the out. Um, and I think it's a shame that churches consider it as an evil. And some people consider marriage as a failure if it doesn't last forever. I don't think marriage is a failure because it doesn't last forever. I think you have 10 great years and, and uh, realize, okay, that's, that's good. We're, uh, we're drifting further apart. We need to get divorced. And that was a successful marriage. It's far more successful than a marriage that's 30 years and you're miserable for 20 of them. Uh, so anyway, just some thoughts about that. I just uh, wanted to get some of your feedback on I do think divorce. divorce is a bad thing. I, I think it 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 can be uh, a necessary thing, in, especially in cases of abandonment, adultery, or abuse. Uh, so I I think I think the idea, if you're going to commit to that idea of marriage, it with your own volition, um, I think it is is good to have a forever thing, and I think it can be demonstrated that it's a good thing to have a forever thing but it's also uh there's also necessary things that can cause a separation and a divorce and do i think uh divorce should be encouraged i don't necessarily think so uh i, I do like the idea of commitment i think it can teach us a lot uh, lifelong commitments can teach us a lot uh so I, I there's 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 a lot of stuff there that we'd have to, you know, pick apart on that end. Can I can but I meet I you halfway? I think we generally disagree on that. Well, well, well let me let me see though. Let me let me try to meet you halfway. Uh, I think that if you can have a relationship with someone that lasts for your entire life, and that you're both happy in that relationship, that's great. I I think that's. Uh, almost ideal. I, I love that idea. It's not the thing that happens with most humans, but it is, uh, uh, that would be, I would definitely call that a successful relationship. But I would say that it's not a successful relationship if there was, it only lasted that long because there was no escape clause. And so there needs to be an easy, accessible door. You know, we have back doors and fire doors in houses and apartments because fires happen. It doesn't mean that you wanna use it, but you've got a bad apartment if it doesn't have one. Um, and 
so divorce is that thing too. So if people understand, okay, I'm in this marriage, we're gonna we're gonna try to make it work for the long haul, but just so you know, there's an out if it needs to be. If people can do that without uh taking that out uh and be happy through it, I'm I'm fine with that. But it's when people are pressured into staying in a bad marriage because uh through uh the frowning of society or the the warnings of the church that divorce is a bad thing that you don't really have an out then that's that's when it's that's when uh a forever marriage is bad uh, you need to always have a clearly marked this is the escape route if things go tits up well, you know, I think that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, you know, due to the hardness of our hearts and things go obviously bad, that's why divorce was permitted. I think that that goes as a good example of that, of what you just said. I think, you know, obviously divorce is a necessary evil to me that has to be uh, there in case, uh, you know, somebody is abusive and, and stuff like that so and, yeah i don't i essence, just don't consider it an evil so for instance yeah two i know people... and that's and that's where i would because as you're right. saying something went bad or the people got unhappy well why is that why can't we why do we have why do we drift apart what's the cause of that is it something that we could save because we have children and we're a family now you know we're that unit you know and is that something to be treasured? Is that something to be uh, uh, valued? And I think it is. And I think, uh, you know, I, I uh, now if you're doing anything out of just pressure from the society, I think that's that's, uh, you know, th there's a lot that can be said on that area and on that front. You know, um, I think we both agreed, even with the alcohol thing, that there is a a uh, a taboo so to speak from the culture and those things can be bad sometimes they can be helpful they can keep keep you safe from something else maybe you know but yeah. you know just like fear can keep keep you from dying at times and you run away or you fight you know it, it just depends you know um, yeah, well, I mean, but, I don't, the reason I don't think it's a bad thing is not just because it's an escape, a safety hatch, but also just because humans are humans, which is why I propose the seven year contract, which, you know, you, you marry someone for seven years, been a good seven years. Okay, I think I'll see someone else now. Uh, uh, great. And you, uh, you can do that, that um, I just, the idea that if it doesn't last forever, that it's a failure, I think is a, um, that needs to be retuned because there are lots of very happy 10 year, 15 year marriages uh, that become unhappy at 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and, and and so, that, that's all, that's all I would do is just, I would reach out on that, that note and be like, you know, why is it unhappy now? What is making it happen? You know, and, and I would try to figure it out, but, and that's just because the way I value commitment, you know, I think, you know, I've committed to this, I've invested time. I'm never going to get back, you know, and I, I want to, I want to see why we're unhappy. It, it, but you don't need to get it back. I'm doing? Is you don't need to get I'm it back. Doing? You could, it's, it was a good time. It was a yeah. great time in your life and you did, you don't repaint it just because the marriage is over now as if, well, I guess that wasn't a great time. That was a great time. Um, you, it's I, just I, our look, framing. If, if that's was, If it was so great that I ended up committing myself to it and investing myself into it the way I did, 
I want that back because you know what? That was the best time of my life. And, you know, to experience it all over again. Well, uh, on that happy note, I mean, it's just me on that happy note. Look, we got a froze up, bud. Uh, did I froze up? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Some, some issues here and there. All right. So look on that happy note, I think, uh, that's good. We've, we've got another show coming up <laughs> later today. Um, <clears throat> except it won't be a skeptics and seekers show. Tell us about the show that's coming up. <laughs> you know what? I totally forgot the time. It's four o'clock or two o'clock, two o'clock, two o'clock. Okay. So divine hiddenness, uh, we will be going over that, uh, or proselytize or apostatize. Yes. And, uh, who's your guest that you've got there? Cause I've Do got, I've got Andrew in my corner. Well, I have a uh, David Paulman. So it's us two in a discussion on hiddenness. So bring your blog post that you did. It's the part two. To bring yeah. your blog you post. told me to bring somebody. And yeah, and bring Andrew. And you guys will both be making a case. You guys both can make the case. Okay. It's going to be a free discussion. Okay. It's it's more going to be more informal, I think. Than sure. Uh, but I don't like the word free. I want to start charging. Okay. Uh, charge. It's going to be $1.99 a piece, pay-per-view. Uh you know, we'll, we'll experiment next time. Um, I'm really thinking about some different things to do with the show. I really want a live show. Uh, there's a good chance. Look, both Russell and I want to do live stuff. Uh, season four of skeptics and seekers is probably going to have a live component. Um, and I really want to do a call in, uh, that I hope Russell can help me with. And so expect to have to see some experimentation, uh, with that. So I'm going to, um, go ahead and end this show go back to work i want to try to put this uh put this up on the board um a little bit later today and then uh everyone tune in for uh apostatize apostle proselytize or apostatize apostatize or apostatize but i keep feeling like i say it wrong even when i say it right uh pora uh and uh, we will provide links uh to that show for you if you enjoyed the hiddenness conversation uh a week or so ago uh this will be round two of uh of hiddenness where russell tries to do a better job than he did the next uh, the last time um and i think it will be a lot of fun next week uh next week finally uh we do a show on when is it okay to kill? I don't know what I'm gonna call the show, but uh, I feel like if I called it a license to kill, there would be no copyright uh, infringement issues with that, would there? I don't think so. Okay, good. Uh, so <laughs> next week, uh, it's a topic that I've been uh, thinking about for a while. I hope that uh, Dale joins us in the comments because it's, uh, it's a topic that he has some very interesting things to say about. Um, but uh, we're going to look at the subject of killing. That will be a one. Uh, actually, that is not going to be a one-off show. That will probably be a um, three-part show. Russell and I will do the first part of that. And there's going to be some discussion on abortion in that. Expect it. I know that Teddy has been wanting in on any uh, discussion uh, about abortion. And so we're probably going to 
have her. There will be at the very least a skeptic uh, panel show, and I hope that uh, Russell puts on a Christian panel show if we don't uh, just get together and just do one multi-show. But there's a there's a lot in the subject of killing uh, that you'll find as we unwind this uh, that maybe you haven't thought about before. And so it's time that we put some deep thought into killing. Uh, that gets started next week. So um, until then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>